It's the Cabbages Podcast Network. All right. So what are the three kinds of Arizona iced tea? Okay. I'm not like from New York, so I may get it wrong. But you've been living here long enough, right? You should know. Well, I mean, first and foremost, regular ass Arizona iced tea. That's That's one. That one can't even stay in stock. That's one. You can't even find it at your bodega? No. Man. 90% of the time, if you want one, you got to kind of take a little trip, hit up like three or four bodegas, see who's not drinking it. So your neighborhood hasn't been completely gentrified yet. No, 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 no. Lord, no. Arizona iced tea sales would have you not believe that. Second. Now, see, this one might show my, like, my cultural. So I would believe that it mm-hmm. would be the Arnold Palmer, the half and half. Okay. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. Like, Arnold Palmer. Yep. That's a jam. Like, that's one of the best drinks on the planet. Not the Arizona version per se. Did you ever have the, the Arizona lemonade? Like the, just a straight lemonade? I don't know if they even stock that anymore. I don't know that. I, I didn't know that existed. So no. The Arizona lemonade. It was just like, is I bet poison. that is. It's just poison. Very sugary. Ooh, it is. <laughs> I bet it is. Ooh. <laughs> Makes country time look like a real piece of shit. Am I crazy to believe that it, the third one is green? Yeah, green. But uh, well, you're okay. almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. But like the green with the ginseng. Yes, you have to say ginseng. Right. Right. That's like the entry point for yeah. for so many people. Like understanding tea. Like for so many Americans, especially here in New York, it's like it was through these kind of sugary drinks, classic can, big cans. Yeah. And then you suddenly see like. This ginseng one, like, what's ginseng? Like, what's this? Oh, green tea? And like, suddenly now, like, you could be a tea connoisseur. It opens up the door for all these other tea drinks, you know, mm. in terms of going into your your convenience stores, your bodegas, your gas stations. Like, it all kind of starts with that. Like, I mean, whatever, respect to, you know, Lipton and Brisk and all that for the sure. work they did. But like, it is really those Arizona iced teas. That's the real iced tea that just makes Makes things right. happen. I'm gonna try this thing. I haven't had an Arizona. So which one do you have there? Which one do you have there? The regular ass, like all right. The New York big can, but not a big can. There's not a can though. You can see it. I can see the top of it. I'm looking. Right. So I got the plastic bottle. They were out of the cans. That's okay. Look, they make the plastic bottles now. I guess it's more environmentally something or other. Nothing but... I could do. Something right. I could do. You got it. I'm gonna try. Right. It. Give it a taste. Hey, right, you know what? I'm coming around. Yeah, see? Don't look at the back. Don't read the no, 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 no. We don't no, read no, no. labels no. when we make big decisions like this. Can I ask you a question, though? Uh-huh. Uh, why are you drinking an Arizona iced tea? Because we're doing a whole season on iced tea. Oh, the drink? No, 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 Gary, you fool. We're watching the iced tea filmography if you will, mm. or at least I'd, I'd like to get through more than half of it. At least. I mean, it's, it's Hit a task. Big highlights. It's a task. And I think we're going to get start, through a lot of it. Yeah. yeah and I think we're going to start with maybe I haven't seen them all, but maybe my favorite of all time, 1994's surviving the game. So, yeah. So just for background, you know, we've decided uh, after trying another bad movie battle season, we realized we can't do this. We just we just can't do this to ourselves. I take so we have sh- we've shifted away <laughs> from the bad movie battle. We want to watch some movies that are good. We want to watch mm. some movies that are okay. We want to watch some films that are exceptional. But we're also 
accepting that there will be bad movies, but we are yes. trying to do that. And so we broke away from that by kind of saying, now we're going to do rapper movies. And that's a broad, broad description. Hopefully right. over the course of this season, people will understand exactly how broad we're talking. It, it doesn't seem right to kind of do this season and not put a special spotlight on one of the most prominent rapper turned actors of all time. So in addition to kind of this main mission of our regular episodes where we'll have rapper and hip hop producer guests, we're going to take the listeners on a side quest exploring Ice-T's filmography and surviving the game being his first starring role. And right. interestingly enough, one of the few where he is truly the star as right. opposed to part of a ensemble or supporting cast, mm -hmm. um, even though uh, he is prominently featured in the artwork for so many of the films that he has small roles in because he is a selling point, clearly. Hmm. Having him in your film is a selling point. You're going to hear kind of in our week to week, you're going to hear what we consider a regular episode and then you're going to hear these sort of uh, bonus episodes. It's just going to be me and Jeff for the most part. There may be some episodes where special guests come through. Uh, you guys, but... you guys lead us, man. The internet yeah. and volunteer yourselves. Yeah. Like we're open you know? to it. Like right now we're sort of just like, we're going to go, Hold we're going to treat these the same way, but you know, let us know. Surviving the game. Mm. Let's can fucking you... go. I'm Jeff, so let's, excited let's fucking go. to talk about this. Let's, let's fucking go. Jeff, oh, man. Um, what is surviving the game about? Oh, I am so glad you asked. Surviving the game is about the architecture of survival in the big city mm. through a woods lens, through an actual survival lens. Mm-hmm. A group of rich men give zero advantage to a human being and hunt them for sport. It's I mean, not they give like, a head start, but they, they had like, breakfast. Listen, that's the same as saying capitalism gives you a head start mm. by just being by just existing. Yeah, that's not a head start. They get guns, all manner of vehicles, it's allegory. They get yeah, a yeah. giant meal, <laughs> which this person does not get before yeah. having to try to survive for. What could be days on end? He had a good dinner, uh, but the, he did. He is he is not allowed to have a good breakfast, which I think. How is, uncomfortable was mm. that dinner? You watching, knowing Ooh. what you know about the film. The so first time the I time... watched that film, I had no idea what it was, and yeah. I was like, "These guys are the weirdest guys." When did you first see it? When do you? Remember I saw it in nineteen ninety four. I guess by the time it got to HBO, it was nineteen ninety five. So you and saw HBO it on like basic cable. You saw it on cable. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And HBO played it a bunch. And like, I watched a lot of late night TV. Sure. I wasn't much of a sleeper back then. No. And surviving the game was on late a lot. It bounced around different channels. You know, for a little while, my family was a cable thieving family or mm -hmm. my mom dated dudes that cable had cable fevers. So I could watch like, you know, all kinds of channels and surviving the game. Whenever it was on, I was like, I was really into this movie for some reason. So, you know, you're talking about 14-year-old me. A lot of things for me is about, well, what did you go and see in the theaters? It was spotty. Like, movie tickets cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You know, in 1994, I'm a teenager. I'm working a minimum wage job. Like, I'm not in a position where right. I can go and buy a bunch of movie tickets. So, like, the handful of films I've seen in the theaters are, like, interesting you know, yeah. kind of looking back on it. But the films you watched on cable or the films yes. that you watched on television, you know, what was on USA, you know, what was on HBO, you know, so all so these things. HBO like, was was worth all of the money you paid for it as a family. Yeah. It was something of a debate in my And if you were stealing cable, then even, even better, right? Right. 
but that yeah. we never stole it at my house. Mm-mm. We were we were payers. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you date people. My parents were both single, they, they divorced, so like I ended up at a lot of weird houses and I didn't care what they were doing. I was watching Surviving the Game at like 1 a.m. <laughs> and so now you've watched it as an adult through this yeah. lens and that dinner scene in particular the night before it is the an hunt. Uncomfortable scene, my man. And that's right. like, I guess, technically, is that that's the beginning of Act Two, right? We yeah. would call that that. Is that fair? Yes, I think. And it, this this movie can can be lambasted for a lot of reasons. I understand the general vibe is that this movie is bad. It's bleak. I don't. It's yeah, kind well, of pointless. Bleak. Yeah, that's the word. Like I the, wouldn't say the bad, rating on this, I think, was thirty-two percent, and we absolutely would have used this in a bad movie battle situation. Well, I mean, you might have. You might have. I. I was I looking definitely to, is. Uh, the second I saw the title score. for this, when we came up with mm-hmm. the idea, I was like, now mm-hmm. I kind of wish we were back in the bad movie battle because that would be my first pick. First yeah. round pick, Surviving the Game, Ice-T, 1994. I mean, depending on the guest uh, of the guest we had on it, there's a chance, yeah. but like, y- you probably would have won. I think that's a winner. I think this I think, is a winner. I think this is, I don't even know if I would definitely call this a good bad movie. I think this right. is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Same. But like, like but with our because, criteria, yeah, no, fair. They're like it would have it would have qualified. But I mm. I agree with you. I feel the same way in a lot of ways. It's obviously a wildly different movie. But Harlem Nights was another one where you're like, this shouldn't be in the like good bad movie war, and that's kind of why it didn't get chosen. Yeah, so I was like, it's that's not apples unfair. to apples. Yeah. Bringing in people to hate on that movie, who who are you gonna find? Yeah, I'm glad the old reviewers. That's really all you can. Well, that's the problem. Is one like the problem with a 32 percent on Rotten Tomatoes is it's Mm. twofold. For a movie that came out in the 90s, is twofold. One, it's white critics talking about a movie with a black star. Rappers weren't allowed to be actors yet either. You have to keep it. 94. It wasn't happening like it. Oh no! I I, opened some doors with movies like this. So, like, first of all, this is historic. This is a historic moment for hip hop. Very yeah. few rappers before '94 have been the stars of movies. They were typically, right. if they were used they at could all, be in them. Sure. they were supporting or ensemble roles. So, like, you have very Fat much Boys. like pointing out, like, oh, look, the rapper is here. We did it. Yeah. We brought him in. Now so, we can go back to the movie. So there were the novelty films, yeah. Fat Boys, Disorderlies, which right. is a film I would like to revisit, and maybe oh, that will absolutely. get discussed on the main show. Kid and Play, 1990 House Party, House Party Two in '91. Class Act 92, Vanilla Ice 1991, Cool as Ice. So you have these films where like this largely kind of meant to be comedic, largely right. meant to be playing to the young audience that's consuming hip hop and yeah. not necessarily giving these actors like great roles. Now, regardless yeah, what you totally. think about they those movies, hit. regardless yeah. what you think about like House Party, I mean, we, like, right. we already talked about how much we love House Party and you and I disagree yeah. on Class Act. It wasn't really until 1992 when Tupac got juice before we really started seeing right. Rappers the drama and- is drama is the one if you can handle the weight of acting in a drama you know what i mean yeah that's when the crossover audience comes in comedies were generally in a lot of cases those were like get stoned or drunk and like have a good time the movie's on but who cares you know what i mean and, like yeah that's the kind yeah. of comedy they were they were casting then yeah and, and you get you cross over into a drama and uh-huh. people like take the acting more seriously, whether or not that's cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like mm-hmm. that's the way audiences were treated, at least. Yeah, and it, keeping in mind, like it, the director of Juice is Ernest Dickerson, the right. same director as Surviving the Game. This is somebody who's putting people on. Like you know, Ernest mm-hmm. Dickerson had been 
the cinematographer tr- cinematographer on a bunch of spike lee movies like mm-hmm. basically from like she's got to have it to malcolm x he was the cinematographer malcolm x comes out in 92 juice comes out in 92 so now he has this opportunity yeah. to make movies and what he does in those first two films he puts on rappers yep and that's you know that is sets a pace that you know years later we get benefit you know like this is bef- this is before um friday free friday's come out to 95 free friday pre all kinds of stuff this is before you get belly this is but like you have yeah. to see these as inspiring films where it's like Not a rapper could be on the screen a in a serious made, role a lot is made of this movie coming just after hard target mm. and there wasn't a, it's forgotten that there wasn't as much like movie choice for your you know smaller cities and and you know non-cities they're not going to be able to go see like a ton of different films so if they see two things come out that are very similar they're skipping one of them you know what i mean yeah a lot of that a lot of people probably didn't know ice t as an actor at all you know what i'm saying but to me this was like like hard target had a dude in it that would like was a human weapon and this was a normal human being having to survive wild circumstances and it gets sloppy and weird and he gets very lucky throughout the film. Oh yeah. So lucky. And you like, this is, this is what I mean when I say it's like a movie version of like what it is to survive in like capitalism land when you have no advantages. I mean, you think about a movie like hard target, yeah. you know, and which I rewatched a fun, uh, a fun fairly recently. Yeah. I mean, John Woo, John Woo is totally. one of my favorite action directors. It's a fun. I film. I will I will watch anything he does happily, especially yeah. from this period, especially yeah. from that. I mean, like really, like you roll. get once you get to things like Paycheck, you're like, okay, this is starting to hurt. But like, so many of his films are incredible. I mean, there's Face a bunch Off of is, movies. Face Off is the greatest yeah. movie. It's like one of the greatest movies of all time. Right. Um, <laughs> so we got that but i love it specifically with this with this is like i think it's easy to just make especially as a white film critic in the mm-hmm. 90s that comparison right off the jump and be like okay so you went from having like jean-claude van damme and lance henriksen with john woo who acclaimed right. hong kong action director did his u.s debut to getting ice T, who had you know he'd done new jack city he'd done ricochet he'd done trespass mm-hmm. so it wasn't like he was he had not helmed a film before he had not been right. the this star was the of first before. starring role yeah with a director who had again worked on a ton of amazing films worked with john sales worked with robert townsend worked with spike lee again on so many of these great films yeah and he gets this shot to do this movie and it's a real moment and i, I have to yeah. commend ice t for rising to the occasion given the bleakness of this script you know you talk about survival it's like What's so impressive to me here in Ice T's role, and I want to give him a lot of credit for this, is like mm. he isn't some invulnerable action hero. Mm. He's a man who has been forced to survive again and again and again. And that and- that to me informed decisions that were made, which is the hallmark of like a non not like not a bad film, but a good film. Is that this was thought about. And yeah. this person, like a lot of people, would have like just stayed at the cabin and begged for their lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? These rich dudes chose a person they knew was a hard survivor, a hard yeah. target, if you will. Yeah, a hard target. And explains uh, why Charles it explains why Charles S. Dutton singled him out yes. and yes. sought after yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, like the fact Hunted that him it's before not the hunt. Like, yeah. The fact that it's not like 
an incredibly or impeccably edited or acted film will kill it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people will get like 10 minutes and then I'd be like, what in the fuck am I watching? But if you like really stick with this film, it rewards you because this person immediately recognizes, okay, these are wild sociopaths. I should have seen it sooner. I'm just going to run. I'm actually going to run and I'm going to try and find a way to outlast these people. I want to pause on the acting side of this. Like, is it well acted? Because like, we'll talk about this incredible cast of this film. Like, my God. It really is a wild cast. But like, let's face it. I rewatched Hard Target recently and Jean-Claude Van Damme is fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. He is horrible. His, his, oh, yeah, it's camp. He delivers, his lines are delivered yeah. so poorly. He is a wooden actor. He is a versatile action sure. star. But There's he is not, not many a people good on actor. earth that can do that on command for a film. It looks cool. You know what I mean? With that physique and everything else. Like, dude's got plenty of weapons, but acting? Yeah. It wasn't early in the game. It definitely wasn't one of them. I don't think this film. I mean, especially when you look at genre, I don't. I think this film has better acting overall. Like, I'm no disrespect to Lance Henriksen; he right. plays an amazing bad in Hard Target. Oh, totally. he's so good as a bad in Hard Target. But like, the bad in this movie is Rutger Hauer. He was great. Rutger Hauer, fucking he's so Blade Runner, in it. The Hitcher, Rutger I, Hauer. You know, maybe I'll revise and say mm. that it's just weird because the script is wild. Yeah, the things that they're saying. The things that they're doing, one of the things I truly love about this film is it never, the dudes aren't sitting around justifying their bloodlust at all. No, no. At all, they're just tickled pink that it's time to hunt again, that the boys are back in town. Mm. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And I think what's with the bleakness of this script from the the first act, which we see in what is meant to be Seattle, these like where there's like the man is on the street trying to find food to survive he loses his dog in a to a to a taxi driver and then he loses his best friend like the same damn day on the street he's already lost so much he's lost his family as we learn over the course of the film and then he goes to try to kill him yeah he tries to kill himself and he's saved by in a wildly dark trying to kill him oh yeah because the man, exactly, because the man who is saving him is only saving him to use his body for a hunt. Yeah. And and in fact, the suicide, if you think about it hard enough, which a lot of people, you don't really need to think that hard about this movie if you no. don't want to. But yeah. to save someone specifically to use their body to kill them, the suicide was actually like a, a positive sign. Yeah. Like, oh, this dude was going to die anyway, so this justifies it. But they never speak on that. Mm-mm. Because that would make them think about what they were doing and they like might stop. There was already one voice of reason there and that the man brought his kid who wasn't ready for it. Ice-T just plays off the sheer nihilism of this yeah. film. He plays off so well. Yes. Remember remember how standoffish this he is was a as, as a personality? Sure. Yeah. Oh, it is the mo- one of, it's like it's as nihilistic as like funny games or like yes. anything like Michael Haneke or those folks have done. Um, totally, totally in that realm. Wildly it's subversive. Like, he's like trying to out Nietzsche the script. Like yeah. he's like, oh, and it's so important to remember that like Ice T's public persona at the time, and Ice T is a person, let's just face it. Like, I mean, he is who he is. Like right. he's very standoffish mm. and he's very abrasive and he's very direct. And he's not mm. trying to soften who he is. So he no. leans into this very hard in this film. And he's like, Yeah, there are inequalities that probably the reason people... he was cast for it. 
well the reason he was cast for it was like the the studio liked him in um in i think it was in, in trespass i think they really liked how he did mm. work he did in rich and trespass and the director really liked him liked his role how he played trespass too originally the um i mean we can get to this part of it now or we can talk about it later but like the movie that this could have been um originally the director had when he went and met with uh the studio for this wanted Lawrence Fishburne for the role mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um he's quite really like Lawrence Fishburne period as an actor Fair and enough. respected his work which I, I agree I think it's like this presented an interesting uh, an interesting alternative in having right. somebody who had had some significant uh roles in supporting cast and to give them this opportunity the studio didn't want Fishburne because uh they weren't happy with the financial performance of a movie that I know you love deep cover oh man deep cover is so good it's a five-star film for your boy yeah and like i i highly recommend to anyone we're not going to get into a deep cover conversation no no that's a separate thing but that's that's fascinating because man coming off of deep cover and then doing this no offense to ice t it might have been pretty sick it might have been right what we got is like of no avail to me i'm very excited that what that he got to do this because it informed guaranteed that it informed the rest of his acting career. And we get some real cool stuff from him. And like, obviously a different actor takes a different approach to each of the, to, to this, to the, to the script, like the one liners and punchlines that he delivers, they hit every single time. Agreed. It's like, like, I mean, I wrote do you, down. Okay. So do you even I wrote think down the last some, one, the last one, like the last line of the film? Well, look, I, I, the ending, Okay, I, the, we'll talk the about ending, the ending. I want to talk about the ending at the end because, but I want to hear this list first because I but like, like the list I have is like I have like Charles S. Dutton when he's talking to him and trying to convince him not to commit suicide. He says, Man, I've been through rough times. And I see, says, Like what? Your jacuzzi broke? <laughs> Delivers that line. Nails it. I mean, like, look. When that, fucking Rutger Hauer is trying to like get him to run for 20 minutes on the treadmill. And the people yeah. that later become his hunters. Yeah, I I swear I shit you not. Only get better with both time, like watching it again, mm-hmm. like with repeated watches, and with time over time. Yeah, because at the time, action movies had what like a hundred of these lines. Yeah, for a movie. Yeah, so you sure. get tired of them, but these don't like they age really well because he's just hamming on rich dudes. For twenty dollars, I'll them. run to fucking Alaska. Love that. He was really tired at the end of that run, too. Yeah, no, it was like a 20-minute run, and he's, like, on the treadmill, like a pretty serious run. Like, again, that's the point. He's not invulnerable. He's not some, like, fucking, like, robot. Like, who's like, oh, yeah, I'm a killing machine. It's like, no, he was a guy who's been, who's made resourceful. Yeah, it's always, like, a CIA operative or some sort of cop. This dude ain't a cop. Oh, this guy was, was like, Green Beret. This guy was Navy SEAL. Like, there's always these shits. It's like, I mean, this guy also threatened a cop's life. Security guard. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. And the security guard was gonna fucking was gonna fucking do something to him. Like he had to, yeah. he had to do something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he spared his life. So when Gary Busey is coming at him in that brawl outside the uh, the hunting lodge, the burning down building, the, the burning lodge, fucking Gary Busey, crazy eye Gary Busey, like I like my meat rare. Yeah. And fucking, I see turns like tables. Could have he could have won the fight right there and killed yeah. him. But he mm. was like, no, I want to keep beating your ass. Exactly. So, for it. And then Ice-T turns it around That's on him. That's the luck part. And then he says, try well done, bitch. Oh, like, nailed it. I'm sure 
another actor could have delivered those lines, but sure. I can't think of anybody but do we who even could do want, it that well. Do we even want another actor to come in and like say those things? Yeah, yeah. Like if, I want to hear. Lawrence Fishburne was in that movie. I guarantee you, you know, those lines wouldn't have been of effective because he would have been like, you know, it's a different actor. And, and those I think these were of... effective because he was just like, yell them at you mm-hmm. while you're throwing someone through a burning building. <laughs> Those moments of, of levity in a film that's this dark, like you laugh because everything is so uncomfortable and so dark. Like oh, he yeah. says, like, fuck your taxi to the taxi driver and then picks up the corpse of his dead dog. Yeah. Which you he see. Had a really bad day. Which you see. Yeah. You see the dog's face. You see the blood. And he like walks away with him. Like I laughed for a moment and then I saw this fucking dead dog. I'm like, oh my God, life is a cruel, horrible joke. And Ice T is hitting it every line oh yeah every line dude it's a good movie straight up and down i know that it's not a popular opinion but it's a very good movie yeah it's ridiculous and outlandish and over the top but like so is the premise yeah like this is the time to be wild and over the top with shit they're hunting a human for sport (laughs) like let's go over the top with it yeah and like that's when you get like some of the great why is over the top only for for arm wrestling no oh well but that's why you get like these great the great actors who play the hunting party you get people like gary Busey in there you know that's obviously the dinner scene speech on on his his dead dog speech Mm -hmm. is just absolutely unhinged just for those who haven't watched it yet and we're trying to get them to watch it clearly with this episode if you haven't seen it please watch this movie please watch it like what what's the gist of this of that speech Gary Busey as a child is given like the family buys a dog and he becomes close to the dog, you know, as close as humans and dogs are going to get. And throughout their man beast friendship there, I forget what the trigger is, but there's a way to trigger the dog to be an attack dog. Mm -hmm. Essentially. I forget what it is, but his dad, after a couple of years of them, storming this kinship his dad takes him out into the woods and turns the dog on him and says now you're in a fight to the death between you and this dog and that's how you're going to learn to be a man i think he's 11 or 12 years old yeah he's telling a story about his 11 year old self or whatever it's his bar mitzvah and the <laughs> everyone they're at this like big talkative dinner and everyone is just glued on this crazy person giving this completely out of left field speech that is off the hook. It is just excellent. It's so ridiculous. Now, I mean, it's it's delivered by Gary Busey, so you like you yeah. assume this is some this is insane, but this is actually a true story. That I mean, are you for real? For real? Yeah, that this happened is tr- to Gary Busey. No, not to Gary Busey, okay. but it is a true story, according to Ernest Dickerson. Okay, this is a story, or at least it's based on. I guess I should should allow some of them a story from a member of the Aryan Nation, the white supremacist group. That, about that tracks. Being, so like when you think about what we know about yeah. white supremacist groups militarized groups in this country if you if you were to say to that me tracks, like, right? what do you think the people looked like that like sicked a dog on their on their kid <laughs> i'd be like yeah. mm, kind of tall bald very angry yeah. white guys yeah swastikas tattoos perhaps yeah, yeah, yeah that that might be there i don't i don't know might if i would have gone and just assumed i just would have assumed they were who they were yeah <laughs> In in so, this movie, in this movie, you should. 
even though like like race oh is absolutely not, even though race is weirdly not like discussed overtly in this film it's not and that's another thing where like i think they would have felt the same way about killing a homeless anyone you know what i'm saying mm-hmm that it they've obviously at this point in their kinship in their trip they do it once a year yeah uh they have killed enough people to know that like there's no better rush yeah per se like there's no better rush coming the rush comes from killing a human being and hunting them down this isn't like a situation like um like get out where their right. race is very much overt an overt part of their crime theirs is about killing. and that's really and that really goes back down to the script itself the script itself yeah. did not signify or specify the race of the main character the only the only things that are fully in focus are that the group of men that are hunting this guy down they are rich yes and he is not like i guess destitute would be the word because like yeah, he's lost sure. there's been a lot of mm-hmm. death he's already homeless you know, takes issue with the fact that he believes he killed his family, even yes. though, you know, even though it's, it's also his- random shitty luck, but like, there's a lot of random shitty luck going on for this human being who is also without home or money or prospect yeah. of money. I mean, so the, the film's- lure to get this fish Mm-mm. in the boat is like handing them $200. Yeah. Basically. That was the hook. Yeah. And it's set perfectly. We're like, yep, it worked. It works every time. Hand somebody yeah. money because that's the most important thing in the world. At that moment, yeah. And you'll get it's, it. It's an indictment on capitalism more so than it is a, a, any 100%. kind of commentary on race relations. I mean, the, the casting of Charles S. Dutton. Hard, hard Target could never. Sitcom star Charles S. Dutton. Oh, man. There's he a couple like, of sitcom stars in this film, too. Sure, yeah. One of them it's, ended up being on that Scrubs show. Yeah, John McGinley, who yeah, plays real, McGinley, squir- right. real yeah. squirrely, real squirrely fellow who eventually has the change of heart. But it's like Charles S. Dutton was like there. Unfortunately, they get shot. His at. change of heart is like <laughs> this guy's way harder to kill than you guys think. So I'm yeah. out. <laughs> it's not yeah. like I definitely I got- want to like support this man. Maybe we could make him <laughs> like get him a house or something. No, it was like he's really strong, and I'm out. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like, out. Okay, is that we're dying over? Is I no. think his exact words. And he, and he dies. As you yeah. saw that. Best death scene, worst death scene. Best death scene for me, and there's mm. a number of reasons why. I'm interested. Is Charles is done. Yes. And it's not just because he lays there with no legs, laughing, laughing at the situation that he's in, like in mm-hmm. shock. Clearly. Yes. Uh, what an acting job that was. It's more so because of the circumstances. Like this dude knew that the first thing that was going to happen if he made a single noise was that they were going to run up to where the, like he knew they were coming for their vehicles and he yes. sabotaged one very openly knowing full well that their bloodlust would, like he's not going to notice that his gas line is connected to, you know, no, is going to blow up his car. He also knew that everybody would go to help him so he could get time to get away because they were right on his ass. I mean, it's a great kill scene. Incredible. There's a scene. horror element to this thing. Yeah, you could see this as a horror film, of course. Yeah, I think it's the secondary genre. I think thriller horror, right? Even the director says something to the effect of you can see this as a horror movie. And he went on. Yeah. His next film was uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Um, he also did Snoop Dogg's Bones. So horror is something he is totally okay with he directed a bunch of tales from the dark side episodes i feel like too. we just got to watch all those for the season those are perfect I, films 
I, I mean, num- a number of those season. are definitely definitely candidates <laughs> for the main season. Um, becoming sure. slow, quickly becoming one of my favorite directors ever. I think if you think about like Juice and the acclaim that Juice gets, yeah, and then you go into this film, which I think is yeah underrated, and yes. underrated because of tremendous casting. You know, it's flaws that exist, and we'll talk about the ending, which I think is the biggest flaw. In, well, in it does film. the thing that I hate the most about Hollywood sometimes, where yeah. to make someone homeless, you just put some paint on them. You just like but rub a little it, dirt under their eyes, and everyone will get it. But you yeah. know, that's hard to. Budgets are budgets, and it's hard yeah. to like make a realistic well, person. Well, speaking of budgets, the um, relationship between the studio and the producer mm. had really soured prior to this film, mm. and so New Line had like one more deal in the contract with this producer, um, with uh, David Permit, who's the executive producer on the film, and okay. uh, Bob Shea, who ran New Line. They did not get along, and they were sniping at each other in the trades. You know, mm. the director had no idea that this was going on, so like. This yeah, is the last picture. Direct a film. He yeah. Lives in so he the comes into this. <laughs> so he, so even before they actually he filmed a single scene, New Line had pre-sold the film overseas based on that great cast we've been talking about. Right. So regardless of like what this did box office, it made its money back because it sold the film overseas before it was fucking made. Okay. So when they uh, got into some delays while making this film. Uh, because F. Murray Abraham uh, got into a horrible car accident and was hospitalized. They used a stunt double for a number of scenes. When the producer went back to New Line to ask for money, he basically told mm-hmm. him to fuck himself. Right. So, like, now you're dealing with monetary restrictions. Right. And then because of the soured relationship and the fact the studio felt like they'd made their money already, you know, like, the film did domestically, like, $7 million off of a production budget of $7 right. million. But, like, this film did not get much in the way of advertising or marketing no. support. So, no, it was not something that, and it's not, it probably wasn't, I don't know for sure about this, but it probably mm-hmm. wasn't something that was widely distributed. I mean, certainly it was limited to cities because like, it's, it, it's not really a, a like outdoorsy movie other than that most of it's filmed outdoors. Yeah. But, but like, I mean, these are all city dwellers who happen to hunt humans. But show me an American at that time who didn't know who Ice-T was. Like in terms of notoriety, ubiquity, Ice-T, if you didn't know him from his music as a fan, if you didn't know him from seeing him these films, you knew him because of Cop Killer. You knew him because of the controversy surrounding Cop Killer. This man was hugely Mm well-known. I mean, there's some some parts of this that certainly hurt him. You know, it's like they couldn't get security for the film because because of his anti-cop commentary, you know. But like he had this national profile. And here this big studio has a film from the director of Juice. Right. Who who made that terrific movie. Yeah. And then and it's like, here's his follow-up. It stars Ice T, Rutger Hauer. It's got Gary Busey. It's got Charles S. Dutton, who has yeah. rock on TV at that time. Uh-huh. Tremendous star. And F. Murray Abraham. Right. Fucking Salieri himself is in yeah. this goddamn movie. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to support this film. It's tragic. Yeah. It's tragic. I, I I kind of understand in a way because of its bleakness. Again, mm-hmm. that's going to drive most of the audience away because it's like an unforgiving film. Your reward for destroying all the people at the top of this horrible, horrible, like organization of people, you kill mm-hmm. them all. Yeah. Your reward is to walk right back to where you were destitute and start from scratch. And is it any wonder why Ice-T, subsequent to this film, has received very few starring roles 
in movies. Like right. after this is Tank Girl, Giant Mnemonic, yeah. roles that I love him in. Sure. They are supporting roles. Right. He's no longer the guy starring in the film. And a lot of times gets, you know, because of the, the TV career. Yeah. I think one well, of these episodes, by the way, should be we watch like an hour and a half supercut of his reactions on the TV show. <laughs> Look, I mean, like I was, I used to be a huge Law It would Order be so SVU fun fan. to like just Law and Order SVU supercut of him being like, man, let's go kick his ass. Like he's, there's a certain flair for reaction on that show that he has. And I'm sure there's a supercut of it. I am a huge fan of, of yeah. him on that show. And that's largely, to be honest, where my experience with him as an actor comes from. I used to watch right. SVU daily. I used to watch the new episodes, the reruns for like the, almost the entirety of my, my twenties. I think I watched yeah. SVU all the time and part of my thirties. And then I, I haven't, I, I kind of moved away from it, but like I've watched him so many times deliver so many hilarious lines on that show. Before we wrap up, I think we yep. both agree that we, we really like this movie. We really enjoy this movie, despite its darkness. Maybe you don't love the ending, I think. The ending ending is my issue. I I don't know what your thoughts on the ending are, and I'd love to to hear them at the end of this. Um, Because when I said before, best death scene, worst death scene, the worst death scene is Rutger Hauer's gun misfire at the end. This sort of cheesy callback to the line from his homeless friend at the beginning of the film, like, always check a gun before you you fire. You know, okay, thanks, buddy. Uh, I'll keep that in mind for the next uh, 86 minutes that gets used at the end in such a way that, you know, for movie purposes, yeah, it's cute, but like we didn't watch a cute movie. We watched a a broken man get broken down further and barely make it out alive, barely make it out alive. And you're just like, da, 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 da. Womp. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you have a kinder reading of it, but I, I I don't, I felt like it was a letdown. That part was a letdown after such a great, first act second act and and most my of the thing third. is the he walks by the old lady dressed up as a a priest i guess yeah with his shoe poli- with his shoe polish makeover on his uh yeah, mustache yeah. and eyebrows and stuff yeah so like he walks past this woman denies her money the i guess it's there to tell us that he hasn't changed but like i didn't expect maybe that's just me but i didn't expect this dude to change He's going to try and like put together a new squad of rich dudes to go hunt people. Yeah. That was there. And then the gun jamming stuff. I just, this movie's not about poetic justice at all. And no. that's certainly not an example of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I just wanted more because the movie was so stark and gritty. And then the end of it was just like, and he dies too. Well, that's it. That's it. Bye Roll everybody. Credits. He like walks off into not a sunset, but, a steamy city alley. <laughs> yeah. Like what's going to happen to him now? Like no whatever happens in next... this film, let me tell you that much right now. <laughs> whatever happens. No fun. <laughs> whatever happens next for this man, it can't be good. Not in America. No. no, that part I love, but what happens to Rucker Hauer and the way it happens is, mm. I don't know. It's, it's not hackneyed is not the word. It's just as bad. And they wouldn't have done this. The studio wouldn't have, have let this be the case if they had gone with their with the studio's original picks for both of these actors. Right. Where Charlie Sheen was mm. there was their first pick for Mason, for Ice T's character. And Dolph Lundgren was their pick for Rector oh. Hauer's character. Oh. Which would have made for such a, a radically different out. movie. 
Yeah, we got a better movie. Nothing as a result, against no question. Dolph. I like. Yeah. I enjoy the Dolph canon of films, but look, he would have no, kind of ruined this. In a way. No, no, because and, and it actually it really does. Rucker's like for... gravity and his like way of being in the scene and enjoying when other dudes were sort of slipping up, knowing full well that Ice T wasn't going to figure out that they were mm-hmm. going to hunt him in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He just was great. He didn't have to say a lot to be good. Rutger Hauer and and Ice T were really well matched. I'd say yeah, in terms yeah. of the, the, the and I think otherwise you would have had some. Issues. I'm just pumped. You liked the movie. The, the ending's not great. What can you do? Yeah. I mean, the, otherwise, yeah. it's really weird and stark and cool. Enough interesting stuff happens. I can't make call a, this movie make a fun. realistic, gritty movie about yeah. people hunting people for sport. It redefines gritty to me <laughs> and make the it definition, good. Enjoy yourself, of, please. The definition of gritty. shifts a bit more to i don't know the left or the right but shifts more towards darkness either way and that i think everybody involved should be commended for that agreed in this uh series talking about ice tea i feel like this is a uh a great starting point we're gonna hear about a lot of different roles he's done uh some are gonna be truly memorable some less so we've watched some stuff already you could say the same thing about my iced tea choices which will continue mm. yes i have a different one for each pair a different pairing for each movie yeah i will say that given time to sit with the arizona iced tea i'm drinking it's not good i don't like yeah. it i don't well, i'm not gonna finish it well, and i didn't even get a third of the way into it i'm sorry well like with uh surviving the game it's better if you don't get to the end <laughs>